safer sex. Intercourse. Condoms. Sexually transmitted infection. HIV. HIV. Sexual health. Treatment. Prevention. Sexual attraction. Sexually transmitted Hi, I'm Heather from Sydney Sexual Health Centre. Welcome back to our podcast where we talk about all things related to sexual health and bloodborne viruses. Today we're talking about viral hepatitis and the campaigns around Hepatitis Awareness Week, which runs from Monday, July 24th until Sunday, July 30th and incorporates World Hepatitis Day on July 28th. Viral hepatitis is a substantial public health problem in Australia and internationally. It's a major cause of liver disease, including liver cancer, and is responsible for a large percentage of liver transplantations. Research conducted by New South Wales Health suggests that viral hepatitis isn't considered a primary health concern for most people in Australia, with other health conditions that have a higher profile, like cancer or HIV, crowding it out of people's minds. New South Wales Health is partnering with leading hepatitis organisations like Hepatitis New South Wales to raise awareness of hepatitis B and C and get people thinking about these viruses. We got to see some of the campaign materials at last year's World Hepatitis Day, and this year's campaign is bigger and better. The Hepatitis B campaign is titled, Could It Be Me?, and encourages people to think about whether they might have Hep B. It asks people to consider being tested for Hep B if they think they might be at risk, and to monitor and treat their Hep B if they have it to keep their livers healthy. The Hepatitis C campaign is titled, Live Hep Free, and encourages people to treat and cure their hep C using the highly effective new treatments that have been available to all Australians from 2016. The key messages of the hep C campaign are prevention and avoiding blood-to-blood transmission, getting tested if there's a past or current risk of exposure to hep C, and treating hep C with the new and effective cures. We spoke to Stuart Loveday, CEO of Hepatitis New South Wales, about these campaigns and the exciting work being done around viral hepatitis in New South Wales. So let's start with some statistics to give our listeners some context for what we're talking about. New South Wales Health estimates that around 77,000 people are living with hepatitis B and around 90,000 people are living with hepatitis C in New South Wales. But there's a vaccine to prevent hepatitis B, and hepatitis C is curable with antiviral treatment. Why do these viruses remain so prevalent in the community? Uh, That's a really good question. Uh, First of all, um, awareness of hepatitis C on the one hand and hepatitis B on the other is still, despite all the best work uh, that's taken place over the years, still very low in the community. Let's just focus, first of all, on hepatitis C. Um, And hepatitis C, we know, is a blood-borne virus. It's transmitted when the blood of a person who's living with hep C gets into the bloodstream of another person. Now, you've given some New South Wales figures. Nationally, that translates into probably about 230,000 for people with hep C, um, and around about the same, a little bit more, about 233,000 for people with hep B. Um, The awareness of those viruses is relatively low. Um, it's estimated that around 80%, 82% even, have been diagnosed out of people with hep C um, and out of people with hep B. 
um, is still around 38% undiagnosed. Um, the communities of people are very different. People affected by C on the one hand, people affected by hepatitis B on the other. The transmission routes um, are different. There's no vaccine for hepatitis C. There is a vaccine for hepatitis B. And we have a very good uptake of hepatitis B vaccination in Australia and especially in New South Wales. So um, I would say um, lack of community awareness is one reason. Um, another would be the fact that uh, GPs, general practitioners, have a lot on their hands um, and they might not know the true uh, way that hepatitis C is transmitted or the true way that hepatitis B is transmitted and might not ask the appropriate questions. So skilling up general practitioners is really important. And I think there's probably a third reason, especially in the area of hepatitis C, and that is because of hepatitis C's link and very clear association with um, injecting drug use, because uh, remember hep C is a blood-borne virus, and most of that blood-to-blood -blood contact happens when people share uh, equipment used to inject drugs. Um, because of the stigma and discrimination surrounding hepatitis C, for many people there's a lot of shame about having it. Um, there's a, a, a reluctance to discuss it with their doctor, and there's a reluctance of their doctor to discuss it with them. So I guess three, three reasons, really. Um, and there's a lot of work to be done, but we do have a fantastic opportunity coming up. Um, we've got this launch um, in early July here in New South Wales of the Hepatitis B and C Communications and Engagement Strategy. And that's happening in the build-up to um, New South Wales Hepatitis Awareness Week um, and World Hepatitis Day. That comes towards the end of July. So fairly exciting times ahead. So the campaigns that Hepatitis New South Wales is running in partnership with New South Wales Health for Hepatitis Awareness Week do focus on that topic that people need to be aware of hepatitis B and hepatitis C. The campaign encourages people to think about hep B and hep C and gives them a positive message about actions that they can take to prevent, test and treat these viruses. So let's talk about hepatitis B first. The main priority populations outlined in the New South Wales hepatitis B strategy include people from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds, Aboriginal people, and some other groups at higher risk of infection, such as men who have sex with men, people who inject drugs, and people who have been in contact with the criminal justice system. What strategies is Hepatitis New South Wales using to reach these communities and get them thinking about whether they could have Hepatitis B? Sure. Um, hepatitis B, um, big issue, as you, as you mentioned. Um, the priority populations, when we talk about people from culturally and, and linguistically diverse backgrounds, there are there are people from certain countries where there's a higher hepatitis B prevalence. And those countries are primarily um, from China, um, from Vietnam, um, from Cambodia, um, other countries in Southeast Asia, uh, the, the Philippines, Indonesia, uh, across to the Pacific Islands. Of course, Aboriginal people who you mentioned as well. People from uh, Sub-Saharan Africa in particular who've migrated to Australia have a much higher risk of having hepatitis B. The other groups that we mentioned, that you mentioned, um, men who have sex with men, people who inject drugs, and prisoners, although hep B is a concern, a lot of those people have already been vaccinated um, from the good rollout of the vaccine program. So 
if they haven't been vaccinated, then it's important people do get vaccinated, especially if you're from if if you're within those particular groups, population groups. Um, the work that we're doing is twofold. There is this big campaign that's rolling out and it's taking the form of um, ad advertisements on on buses, on bus shelters, um, in train stations, um, in chemists. Um, and the message for people with Hep B, and there's going to be a lot of media and social media as well, um, the message for people with Hepatitis B is ask, it's test, and it's treat. Because we know, unfortunately, unlike Hep C, um, even though there's a vaccine, for those people who've got Hep B already, it's too late for the vaccine. Therefore, they need to make sure that they find out about it. If the prevalence is high, if there's members of their family who've got Hepatitis B, then to be tested, and if you haven't got Hep B, to be vaccinated against it, and if you have Hep B, to go and see your doctor for management and treatment if necessary. There's no cure for Hep B, but there is treatment, and that treatment is good, it's funded by the government, it's effective, and it stops progression to liver disease, more serious liver disease like liver cancer uh, and end-stage liver failure. So the treatments for Hepatitis B um, are not ne needed for all people with Hep B. It depends on the stage of the natural history cycle. So it's a bit complex, this, this, this whole Hep B question. So we're rolling out this campaign in conjunction with the Multicultural uh, HIV and Hepatitis Service and in conjunction with the Ministry of Health from New South Wales. Um, we're leading it and rolling out these, this advertising campaign, if you like, encouraging people from those backgrounds, from those communities to get uh, to, to ask and think about whether they might have had B, to be tested if they haven't been exposed in the past, to be vaccinated against it, and then to see their doctor and see if they need treatment or not. Because treatment is really important, because in Hep B, if, if nobody with Hep B has treatment, then around 25% of those people are going to die. And that's a terrible situation, and it's preventable. So it's a really important health condition. You've mentioned GPs. If testing rates aren't as high as they should be, then GPs and other health professionals need to be encouraged to recommend testing to people who might be at risk. What should clinicians be looking out for and what should they be doing? The easiest things for clinicians to do is to ask where somebody comes from, where they were born. And uh, if they are from those countries that I mentioned, so the whole of Asia, the whole of Southeast Asia, the whole of um, the Indian subcontinent, um, from, uh, the, uh, from Indonesia, um, from the Pacific Islands, uh, from Africa, or say Aboriginal people, then, uh, or if they are men who have sex with men, or they're people who inject drugs, or if they've been spent time in prison, um, then GPs should be asking them, um, have you ever been tested for Hep B? And if the answer is no, then to offer that test and explain what it's all about. Because the testing is the first part. A simple blood test is the first thing to find out, first thing to do to find out if you have hepatitis B or not. So that's a really key thing. So um, community needs to be aware on the one hand, GPs and other health professionals, other primary health physicians like in sexual health clinics, um, drug and alcohol doctors, um, general practices, community health centers, you name it, that's where you'll find people with Hep B. 
So really important for both community on the one hand, GPs and other doctors on the other, and nurses too, to be aware of the backgrounds, the likely risk behaviours, and to offer testing. So as you said earlier, there's a lot of people living with chronic hepatitis B in Australia who don't know they have it, which puts them at risk of serious liver damage and liver cancer if they don't access treatment. And as you said, without intervention, up to a quarter of people with chronic hepatitis B will experience serious complications and may die from liver cancer or liver failure caused by the infection. But effective management of the condition can minimise health impacts. It's clearly in people's best interest to talk to their doctors about treatment if they've tested positive for chronic hep B, and your campaign is trying to get people to do just that. So what do doctors and other health professionals need to know about the treatment for Hep B and managing people who have it? Well, the treatments for Hepatitis B are a little bit more complex uh, than they are for Hepatitis C. Because as I said, uh, not everybody with Hepatitis B needs treatment all the time. It depends on the natural history. So it's important for doctors to be trained in Hepatitis B management. And if they are not trained in hepatitis B management, then doctors should refer people on to health services where people are trained, and sexual health clinics are one of those. Um, liver clinics are another. But the demand on liver clinics in public hospital is pretty high at the moment, um, especially in the area of hepatitis C with people with advanced liver disease, people with hepatitis B-related advanced liver disease. Um, so it's very important that doctors get informed and there's plenty of places that they can go to, and ASHAM, the Australasian Society for HIV and Hepatitis Medicine, is one such place where doctors can go to for that information, that knowledge, and that training if they want to get involved in that. So as you mentioned earlier, the Hepatitis B vaccination program in New South Wales has been highly successful. The vaccine is offered free in the routine childhood program and to all infants at birth. In most parts of New South Wales, over 90% of infants are fully vaccinated against hepatitis B, and the vaccine is also available for free to adults who are considered at higher risk of hepatitis B infection. We saw recently in the Medical Journal of Australia that the introduction of the infant vaccination in 1988 has resulted in a huge drop of 80% in hepatitis B notifications in Aboriginal women who are a group at higher risk of hepatitis B. So what can we as a community and as health professionals do to keep up this great momentum? We're encouraging people to talk about it um, within their communities. Um, it's really important that the word gets out there and we've got another Hepatitis B project. There's this campaign which is happening, the, the communication strategy. But Hepatitis New South Wales has another project working with Chinese-speaking communities, with Korean-speaking communities and with Aboriginal people. And um, one of the um, Aboriginal Community Controlled Health Services in Sydney, um, we've got a project whereby people are being encouraged to, uh, uh, it's called yarning about hepatitis B, talking about it, getting it out in the open, discussing it with uh, health professionals, discussing it with community workers, discussing it amongst themselves. Um, as, you, as you said, uh, the vac vaccination rates, when they went up, meant that people living with chronic hepatitis B came down. Fantastic news, it rarely works. So to keep the momentum going, and with these, with the hepatitis B specific projects that Hepatitis New South Wales is running out in conjunction with the multicultural uh, HIV and hepatitis service, 
and in conjunction with his advertising campaign, we are hoping that that momentum will be carried on and people would talk about it. And not just talk about it, but act on it and go for those tests. Talk to your doctor about it. It's very important. And just interestingly, um, Hepatitis New South Wales recently published um, in our little, it's called TX Mag, it's a little comic book, um, two Hepatitis B stories among Aboriginal communities. So look out for that. It's a great little resource. It's an easy to read resource. It's fun. Uh, it's a bit naughty. Um, have, a, have, have a look at that and you can get that from Hepatitis New South Wales or from your local health service if you, if you haven't seen it already. So let's move on to Hepatitis C. This has been the core work of Hepatitis New South Wales since your inception in the early 90s, but obviously a lot has changed since those early days. The new direct acting antiviral treatments that came available on the PBS in 2016 have revolutionized Hepatitis C treatment and made it a real possibility that we could eradicate Hep C in Australia. Can you put into context just how significant an impact these new treatments are having? Well, I've been working in the sector for a long, long time, and I have to say it was the most exciting day of my life when, on the 1st of March 2016, we got these new Hep C DAAs, or direct-acting antivirals, listed on the PBS. We actually heard about it in the December before, um, 2015, so we got to know about it a little bit in advance, and boy, did we have a good old party. Um, they are absolutely brilliant. They provide um, a cure in about 95% plus cases. Those treatments are getting better very soon. We hope later on in this year, in 2017, that we have a one pill a day treatment for all people with hepatitis C, whatever their genotype, so that means pangenotypic treatment, and that pill will last, it'll be one pill a day for a duration of around 12 weeks. Um, so we're talking three months' worth of treatment. The side effects, they can be significant for some people, but for the overwhelming majority, they are minimal or non-existent. They're absolutely nothing like the old side effects of the old interferon-based treatments. And many people have that kind of myth in their head that these new treatments can't be nearly as good as we're saying, but they are. So they are easy to take, short duration, minimal side effects, and above all, a 95% plus cure rate. So that's brilliant news. And you would think, and there are some people who I think even are suggesting that because we've got these new uh, hep C treatments, um, that it's all over for people with hep C. We've cured it. Well, that's absolutely not the case. Um, because whatever you do in terms of biomedical responses and cures and all the science behind it, and whatever you do in terms of government funding, and we're delighted that here in Australia we have equal treatment access. So anybody with hepatitis C who is an adult, 18 or, or over, who has a Medicare card, um, can access these treatments despite what you do in that area, the biomedical responses, the government approval and funding, a couple of things remain the same, and that is human behaviour, both of the communities affected, but also on behalf of healthcare workers. So we've got a lot of work to do. If we want to eliminate hepatitis C, which the World Health Organization um, has said we can do by the year 2030, we've got to work really hard to get um, uh, not only those people who are still injecting um, 
because that's a really important group to reach if we were to eliminate hep C, because if you don't have hep C, because you've been cured of it, then you can't pass it on. You can't transmit hep C to other people. So we need to do that in terms of treatment uh, as prevention of transmission of hep C. But there's a majority of people with hep C who are out there, who are not attending health services, looking after their hep C or any other needs, um, who um, are living with hep C and their liver disease is advancing. So it's a big challenge. Uh, we've got 10 to 15 years ahead of us to eliminate hep C. Um, but it's a challenge that we need and we're very excited to, to, to meet head on because we need to maintain that momentum and the excitement that I was talking about when these drugs were listed. Uh, we need to maintain that into the years ahead. It's a fantastic time ahead. Uh, let's talk about some more detail about the hep C. So a major challenge in getting more people to access treatment and cure their hep C is identifying and reaching those people who may not know that they have it. Mm -hmm. Your campaign is trying to get people to think about hep C and ask themselves, could I have it? How is Hepatitis New South Wales getting this message to people who may not consider themselves to be at risk? In Australia, we've got about just under, we've got about 227,000 people living with hep C, um, but that's about 77, 80,000 people in New South Wales. Um, if anybody who's listening to this program have um, ever injected drugs, if they have ever, and this could be once or twice, a long time ago or recently, um, if they have ever uh, shared any equipment used to inject drugs, that could be the needles, um, it could be the tourniquet, it could be the spoon that the mix is in, it could be uh, the filters, it could be the swabs that you use. If you've ever shared any of that equipment with anybody else, there's a chance that you might have had hep C transmitted to you or transmitted to somebody else from you. If you've ever had an unsterile uh, tattoo or body piercing, and in the olden days, and certainly in prison, um, and in communities, there's backyard tattooing is a, is a, it's a great thing to do, but it's incredibly dangerous because um, hep C, uh, you only need very small amounts of the virus to be present in blood for that virus to be able to transmit. We're talking about invisible amounts of blood. So um, anybody who's ever had one of those risk behaviors, if they've ever injected drugs, ever shared injecting equipment, ever had unsterile tattooing or body piercing, um, or if they were born overseas in a country of high hep C prevalence. Um, and that's where, uh, and there's a lot of those countries, that's where um, the medical procedures are not always single-use equipment, not always sterile. Um, so I'm not even going to go through all the countries because there were so many. But those, so those are the risk behaviors. Also, if you have, if you're in your 30s or your 40s or your 50s and you're feeling particularly tired and you have some of those risk behaviors, then it's probably not just all about age. It's probably about the potential to have hep C as well. So the risk behaviors are pretty clear. Um, they involve blood to blood contact. So that's how we are articulating um, to people if you think you might have hep C, um, you'll stand a much higher chance of having it if you've been involved in those risk behaviors. Um, it's blood-to-blood -blood contact. Very important to note that. So 
How can GPs stop their patients from slipping through the cracks and going undiagnosed? What are the main things that they should be looking for and asking about to identify if a patient should consider testing for hep C? GPs should be asking exactly the same things that I've been talking about right now. And that is to ask if they've ever had a history of risk behavior. Now that sounds a bit convoluted, so GPs can easily say in a non-judgmental way, because often people are scared of talking to GPs for fear of being discriminated against. So for GPs to say, hi there, how are you doing? Um, I just wanted to ask you a few questions to get your general. This is for people attending GPs for the first time. Uh, and I did this with a GP once, and I was really impressed when my GP said, um, I just want to ask about your own um, health, um, and just ask some questions. Now, uh, let's see, we're talking about hep C, have you ever by any chance injected drugs? Um, have you ever had an unsterile tattoo or unsterile body piercing? Have you ever been in prison? And I was able to answer those truthfully. There was no judgment coming from the GP. I felt quite at ease. Um, and... It's those simple things. Have you ever been, were you born overseas in a country where perhaps the hospital system wasn't as well funded as it is in Australia? Um, so do you think, were you born overseas um, where um, there might not have been single-use equipment um, or in vaccination programs, something like that? So GPs can and should ask about um, the risk behavior and ask whether people were involved in that. And if they were, offer them a test. There are two tests for hepatitis C to find out if you've got hep uh, C or not. The first test is called the antibody test, and that just determines whether at some stage in the past you've ever been exposed to hep C um, infection. Have the virus ever entered your body? Has your body's immune system developed an immune response? And if it has, it's developed the antibodies. But that doesn't say whether you've got hep C or not now. The test for that is called a uh, PCR test, and that's just an abbreviation for the technology that they use, a polymerase chain reaction, PCR test. Also, sometimes it's called uh, an HCV or hepatitis C virus RNA test. Um, and that test for the actual presence of the virus itself. So the antibody test looks for um, exposure at some stage in the past. The PCR test or HCV RNA test looks for whether the virus is pleasant, present in your blood now or not. You can be PCR negative and antibody positive. In that case, you don't have hep C. So that's another thing for both GPs and for communities to be aware of, the difference in those testing. Very, very important. So there's something else that GPs can do to help combat hep C. Hepatitis C treatment can now be prescribed directly by GPs, which makes it far more accessible to more of the community. GPs have a significant role to play in getting more people with hepatitis C onto treatment, especially those people who may not be engaged with liver clinics or specialist services. What's the key message you'd like to get out to GPs who are not currently prescribing hep C treatment, but who might be open to doing so in future? To those GPs, I would send a message um, welcome. Um, please be aware that people in your practice might have been exposed to hep C in the past. If you would like to get involved, um, it's a very simple process. GPs can prescribe, all GPs can prescribe uh, hep C, these new hep C DAA treatments. Um, 
if they consult with a specialist, and those specialists are either gastroenterologists or hepatologists or infectious diseases physicians. So in other words, the medical specialists who have great experience in treating people with hep C. But um, if a GP is relatively well experienced, and there is no clear def defining line as to what that experience is, or is defined as, um, but if they have experience in treating people with, with hep C, then they can treat independently. And we're encouraging as many GPs as possible across New South Wales to get that experience. First of all, do it in conjunction with a specialist and then to do it independently so that people can access hep C treatment where they are so that they don't have to travel to cities where the liver clinics are or bigger towns where the liver clinics are. Um, people in Sydney um, and in Newcastle and in Wollongong are pretty really relatively well catered for in terms of being able to access uh, hep, hep C treatments. Um, but out in the bush, uh, it's quite a lot more difficult. And so that's why we're encouraging as many GPs as possible to get skilled up. Um, you can approach ASHAM, the Australasian Society for HIV and Hepatitis Medicine. Go to their website, uh, asham.org.au. You can go to our website. We have um, www.hep.org.au. Um, which has a GP directory on there. And if GPs contact us at Hepatitis New South Wales, we will send out by direct return email, an email saying where GPs can go for more information and where they can access online training. So we encourage GPs and other primary health physicians to get involved to help eliminate Hepatitis C. That was Stuart Loveday from Hepatitis New South Wales talking about the Hepatitis B and Hepatitis C campaigns for Hepatitis Awareness Week in July. The main goal of the campaign is to get people asking themselves, could I have Hepatitis B or Hepatitis C, and then motivate them into testing and accessing treatment. You might see advertising for these campaigns around Sydney, and you can find out more by visiting the campaign websites. You can also follow Hepatitis New South Wales on social media for campaign updates. It's a really exciting time for people living with viral hepatitis and people working in this space. Check out the very comprehensive Hepatitis New South Wales website at hep.org.au to find out more. You've been listening to the Sydney Sexual Health Centre podcast. We've had some great feedback about this new podcast series, so if you'd like us to keep bringing you new episodes, share the link and subscribe.